Welcome to Leadership Conversations, a podcast by the Sustainability Board Report. Join us as we engage in conversations with business and civil society leaders, educators and advisors discussing the role of sustainable leadership in today's world. The Sustainability Board Report is an independent, not-for-profit project. We aim to showcase different dimensions of sustainable business leadership and corporate governance. We publish reports to help individual leaders, organizations and investors to understand the changing landscape of environmental, social and governance factors. Welcome to a new episode of Leadership Conversations, a podcast hosted by the Sustainability Board Report. My own name is Helena Guerrasdottir and I am joined with Frederick Otto, the founder. Today we are joined by Nasneen Rahman. She is a world-renowned scientist, physician, entrepreneur and a non-executive director. But Freddie, before we go any further, would you like to tell us a bit more about Nasneen? Just a little bit of background how I met Nasneen. We had an event last year around our latest annual report on ESG preparedness in the boardroom and really liked Nasneen's take on that. She's not only a world-renowned scientist, but she has also set up the Sustainability Committee on the board of AstraZeneca. And here at TSBR, we obviously talk a lot around sustainable governance committees have become somewhat customary for large organizations. But Nasneen takes us through the journey that the board has had in regards to ESG. And it's quite interesting because the committee does play an important role, but the accountability of the entire board is also a very important factor. And then Nasneen is also the CEO of a non-profit organization which builds a science-based sustainable healthcare solutions. And I was really shocked to hear what the footprint of medicines is on the planet. And eventually we'll learn a little bit more about a third pillar in her career. She is a singer-songwriter and we will play one of her songs at the end of our conversation as well. So uh, lots to look forward today. And Helena, what was your main takeaway? What did you like best? Yeah, Freddie, I think you gave a really good overview. What I enjoyed hearing is kind of the role of healthcare and sustainability from her perspective. So it's obviously a massive industry, has the potential to make a massive impact. And she talks about this silent impact that climate crisis can have that in return affects the healthcare industry. So I think having someone with such an experience was really insightful. And of course, as you mentioned, she is a non-executive director on the board of AstraZeneca. And we dive into the sustainability and the responsibility of the board, which, of course, is what we discuss often um, in our conversations. And it was nice to hear her perspective. And as always, I mean, I really enjoyed her advice at the end. So I would highly recommend that everyone listens, as per usual, to the advice and a big takeaway. But I think we've given a good summary of the podcast. So without further ado... Please enjoy today's episode and make sure to listen to her song at the end. Welcome to a new episode of Leadership Conversations. Today we're joined by Nazneen Rahman. Nazneen is a scientist, physician, entrepreneur and non-executive director. She is founder and CEO of Newmaker, which builds science-based sustainable healthcare solutions. Newmaker is the initiator and executive lead of this Sustainable Medicines Partnership, a not-for-profit, multi-stakeholder action collaborative of 48 organizations, executing a four-year program to reduce the waste of medicines 
and the waste from medicines. Nazine is a non-executive director at AstraZeneca, where she chairs the Science Committee and the Sustainability Committee. Nazneen was previously Professor of Human Genetics at the Institute of Cancer Research London and Head of Cancer Genetics at the Royal Marsden NHS Foundation Trust and is an internationally recognized expert in genomics for discovering and clinically implementing cancer genes. Nazneen has garnered numerous awards, including a CBE in the 2016 Queen's Birthday Honours for Services to Medical Science. She is also a singer-songwriter and has released four albums. Nazneen, really excited to talk to you today. Thanks so much for joining us. It's a delight to be here. I have just read out your biography and of course that is just a snapshot of your extraordinary career. Can you tell us more about your background and the work that you currently focus on? Yes, well, I, I started off, I suppose, fairly conventionally. I studied medicine and loved being a doctor. But quite early on, I felt drawn to doing things a little bit more creatively. So I got involved in science. It was at the time of the sort of genomic revolution, extraordinary advances. And so I was privileged to be part of that for 20, 25 years, finding new disease genes and then being able to combine that science and practice to really be able to implement that into clinical practice, particularly in cancer, using genetics to improve the treatment and prevention of, of cancer. And then in 2017, I joined the board of AstraZeneca and really, really loved that and chair of the science committee there and more recently set up the sustainability committee. I've, I've always liked logistics and systems and the opportunity to make the world better when they work well. And I increasingly got drawn to the need to make the world a better place, really, and the issues of sustainability. So in 2020, I set up a company called Umaker, working to make healthcare more sustainable, trying to get that integration of good for people, good for planet, good for business. And now we're really focused on reducing the waste of medicines and the waste from medicines in kind of two ways. We make technology and software that will help that. And then I've also put together this partnership, amazing collaboration of the Willing called the Sustainable Medicines Partnership, now with 48 organizations across the whole supply chain all working together to do that. So uh, that's me. Fantastic. Before I get into my next question, let me ask you, what is the genomic revolution? Yes, uh, I mean, revolution, I don't I like this slightly war metaphor. So I sort of fell into that. But I think what happened in particularly in the 90s and thereafter was there was a convergence, maybe renaissance, I often do call it the genomic renaissance, a convergence of different advances. So we had amazing technological advancements in how we can read the genetic code, we also had this amazing advancement in how we can combine data and information and the connectivity around the world. And that led to just a period when we went from the genome being completely unknown to us, to us understanding all of those billions of bases. And then now we're leading to using that to make therapies for diseases that were previously untreatable and in actually an amazing array of different ways that information so so that was the genomic renaissance interesting and i told you before the recording i'm an absolute lay person in healthcare so uh, please apologize for the follow up question but obviously considering that you are a recognized expert in genetics and specifically cancer research what was the trigger for you exactly to focus more on sustainability 
I think it was a combination of things. It really happened around the turn of the decade and 2020 somehow felt like and where that was in my life as well. And I I sort of was thinking about what do I want to spend this decade on? By then I'd spent 20, 25 years in genomics and I was feeling like, I suppose, feeling like wanting to be, wanting to learn. I was still learning. There's still plenty to learn, but I like being at the real steep slope of learning, I think. And also there are things that I had wanted to do more that I somehow hadn't quite been able to tackle as much as I might have during genomics. One was around prevention. The second was around equality and fairness. And so that's really encapsulated with how I think of sustainability. And then, of course, the climate crisis and the impending problems that that's causing. I just wanted to commit this decade to that. So it was a mixture of wanting to do something new and just finding myself being really drawn to this area. And you're certainly very influential in the sustainability arena now. We'll get to that a little later. Before that, Nasneen, what is the role of healthcare in sustainability, in your words? And do you feel there are any trade-offs with the various stakeholders participating in the sustainability ecosystem, if we want to use that term? Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting, the relationship between healthcare and sustainability. It's always two-pronged, really. So... The climate crisis, the issues we're trying to address through sustainability, they all have negative impacts on health and they can be very visible. We can see the impacts of floods and extreme heat or they can be silent. Air pollution leads to a huge amount of ill health and death. So there's that one side in which if you're in part of healthcare, these issues are incredibly important because they impact the health of people. But there's this other side that healthcare is a massive industry. And so in itself, it will always be having an impact. And sometimes those impacts, well, they're never good enough, but they're, sometimes those impacts are actually exacerbating the very things you're trying to solve in healthcare. So I think it's a really important for us to be right at the front edge, really thinking about our responsibilities there and leading by example. And I've particularly focused on that second side of how can we make healthcare itself more sustainable. And for me, sustainability does include good for people, good for planet, good for business. It's really wanting to make that work together, wanting to have a world in which those can coexist and are not competitive. So I think a lot of the time, what I'm trying to do is looking for those wins, those triple wins, where you can have solutions that are going to be good for all of those so that we can make sustainable healthcare, a sustainable world, the way we do things, because it's the best way to do things. And so often I'm trying to make it not trade-offs or trying to minimize the trade-offs and maximize the opportunities. Excellent. And I think the need for good healthcare is probably undisputed. Yet I know some activists who are concerned with people living ever longer, the population of the world ever increasing, and who are probably concerned, you know, in a few decades, reliably living to 100 years old or so. What are you saying to those activists that are concerned with overpopulation and humans living too long, if you will? So I think it's not so much how long we're living. It's how we live that's the key there. There are abundant resources in the world. We squander them. We have a way in which we've sort of set up a linear consumerist society that makes it almost impossible not to squander them. So if we conducted ourselves in a different way, we could certainly serve 
the current population and an expanding population as well. So I think that's one side of it. I think the other side of how we kind of live is taking care of our own health and being able to do that more easily, having agency over that. So I think that there are many things that we can do in that regard and we should do. The inequality, of course, which is so extreme now, is one way in which we could make substantial uh, differences. So I would say that would be our first port of call, that we could conduct ourselves and live differently and then think the world could cope with us living longer. Yeah, behavioural changes are key to a lot of these initiatives. I want to switch gears a little bit, Nazanin, and talk about your role as a non-executive director on the board of AstraZeneca. Perhaps we can get started with a foundational question, and that would be, what does leadership on ESG preparedness or readiness mean to you, and what do you consider to be good governance? Well, I think the first part of that is ensuring that it has time and relevance for the board and not just as an add-on or an extra thing you do once a year, but that at every level and at every consideration, you're adding that in alongside all the other things you have to consider. And I think it's a journey. It's a journey for all boards, but I think this is central to how we operate. It's always there. We always consider it. We consider it in different ways. It can be material in different ways, but it's business as usual has this component in it. And I know there's two schools of thoughts when it comes to sustainability governance or ESG governance on board level. Some um, manage it through a committee as AstraZeneca does. And I believe you set up the first sustainability committee there as well. So I would love to hear more about that. Other people I know are saying, well, the entire board should be responsible for sustainability and should have a certain knowledge and competence. So what's your view on that? And what is the story of the sustainability committee? Yes, so we are both, and I think it's really important. And so the whole board is responsible. It's a whole board. And it's not that anything is devolved in that sense. It's that we felt it was so important that there were areas and aspects where we needed a deeper dive. So the Sustainability Committee provides that deeper dive to serve the full board. But it is absolutely full board responsibility. And the full board is interested and knowledgeable in the, in the ways that they need to be to do their duties. I think all board members and all future board members will need to be conversant in this area. Uh, I think you can have different levels of expertise there. But I personally I don't think we should need to have specialists on the board in that sense. I think we should be aiming for everyone to be sustainability aware and, and some people have more levels of sustainability expertise. But I, I think it has to be a, a full board responsibility. And that's because it comes back to my previous that it's not a separate thing. If we want to have this incorporated into every aspect of how we deliver business, then it wouldn't make sense really to have it separated out. So I think it is a journey, but certainly that's our philosophy at AstraZeneca. Makes sense. And Nasneen, we met last year on a roundtable and we were discussing the organizational implications to sustainability strategy. We have concluded that boards are getting it slowly but surely. Organizations like AstraZeneca are probably a little bit more advanced than some of their peers. And we have also found that the employees wanting to do good, wanting to have purpose in their jobs. 
There was some research that we discussed that showed that management is often still lagging behind and ESG is not a top priority for most. Do you have any thoughts on that? Do you have any thoughts on organizational leadership on ESG outside of the boardroom? I'm not sure that I would say in terms of lagging behind. I think that everybody is acting on the the things that are of greatest priority. And those priorities are always going to be set by a mixture of organizational requirements and internal passions and interests. But I think then overall, if managers are finding it difficult to prioritize or include, that I think must be coming from the structures where currently those trade-offs feel like trade-offs rather than opportunities or things that have to coexist. So I think that probably is a structural aspect. And again, we're on a journey there. And I think it will have to come from the top because essentially that's management responds to their management directives. So I think a given organization has to really think very purposefully about that. And it is going to be different for different organizations. There will be some things there where the win-wins or the opportunities work, where being more sustainable also lowers costs, for example, or will increase customers and leaning into those. And then there will be systemic things where, okay, this field now gets filled in. If you want to get a budget for this, you're also going to have to tell me what the impact on the climate is going to be. And so you can start to routinize there. So I think a lot of it is about the systems that will really make that easier. And, and fundamentally, I think we should make it as easy as possible for this to be how people operate. I don't think there are many people now that I certainly find, I might be in a bit of a silo, but not many people who think it doesn't matter or think that, you know, it's not to do with them. I think everyone realizes that it does matter and sooner or later it is going to be to do with them. So I think that's been a major shift even over the last couple of years. So I think we've got everything in place now to make it work but it's still quite a lot of operational that needs to change. And I think from the outside, people can sometimes underestimate how difficult it is to change systems. Even once you've got the buy-in, it takes time, it takes money, it takes all sorts of things. So I think we have to be honest about that and you can get things wrong. We're trying things out, but that commitment and, and turning the commitment that people are making into measurable, clear action that people can see so we can feel the progress and try to accelerate it as much as possible is clearly a responsibility for all organizations. Excellent response. Thanks, Nazneen. I think it's a very good point around the systems that need to change and the actions being clearly defined. And it's interesting, the word purpose coming up in, in every conversation of that kind, that seems to be really the key for everybody to understand what are we here for. And I would agree with you. I think on a personal level, all leaders have understood that this is important, that they need to get their head around. It's just not as easy as it often sounds. So thanks for that explanation. What lies ahead for you in terms of your projects, your board work, and your nonprofit engagement, and perhaps what are the trends that excite you? So um, we're actually having a very exciting time. You make uh, so at Umaker, we do two things. We make sort of technological software solutions, quite similar actually to what I did in genomics, leveraging data in order to make really practical tools that will help people to have better impacts. And the one that we've been making over the last year is a tool that allows one to predict the carbon footprint of medicines. So 
Medicines actually account for about 25% of the footprint of most health systems. Uh, and it's a bit of a black box because it's been difficult to have traction because we can't measure that footprint. So we've leveraged the really excellent green by design, green chemistry, validated metrics that are used in new drug development. And then we've done that at scale across our everyday medicines so that we now have this estimate of those footprints. And then what we've done is to combine that with the clinical effectiveness and the cost effectiveness, and now we've got this carbon effectiveness into a simple tool that prescribers can use to allow their prescribing procurement to be sort of carbon informed. And so we've just recently had a big grant from the Greener NHS to develop that tool so that it can be used across the NHS. So we're very excited about that. And then this partnership that we've put together, which has got sort of big pharma, we've got Deloitte, we've got technology department, we've got hospitals, pharmacy. It's been just so wonderful how people have come on board. We've now been setting this four-year set of projects really focused on action to build these science-based solutions that we can test and then hopefully thereafter scale. So I think those are the things that we've been working on. I think they fit into trends. I think we are certainly moving into a, a time when people are saying, okay, we get it now. We've made our commitments. What are we doing? And certainly people are asking, well, where's the action? So I think we're moving into a real action phase, I believe, and certainly hope. And I think the other trend is this trend around new types of collaborations, new types of partnerships. You know, we have to solve this together. We either all win or we all lose. So we all have to do it together. And across complex supply chains, which essentially is every supply chain, we've often had two problems. One, that it's linear. It just goes from, this is my bit. I've done my bit. It's nothing to do with me. Now it's your bit, which really inhibits our ability to think about things in a circular and a holistic way. And then just the commercial ways of either conflicts of interest or various kind of legalities are really inhibiting people working together because it's just set up to actually stop that happening. So the Sustainable Medicines Partnership was a sort of ex an example of thinking, well, actually, let's focus on the problem. Who do we need around the table to do that problem? Let's make that work. Uh, and I think a lot of people are, are seeing that. And it, I've been really inspired by the really exciting partnerships. And of course, it's key, but I think it's quite a trend. Yes, the ability to collaborate is so important and fantastic to see that you made it work and we'll be following the work of Youmaker closely as well. Thanks for sharing that. Very exciting. You have a third pillar of your professional life. You are also a singer-songwriter, actually the second we feature on Leadership Conversations. So what does music mean to you and do you draw any parallels to your work as board director, scientist, CEO? Um, so music, I don't know, it kind of goes a little bit beyond meaning for me. It's a sort of constant companion. I've always made music. I've always written music. I've always got music going on in, in some way or another. I mean, I think I am a scientist. And if people ask me, what do I do? I always say scientist first. But I think in many ways, I'm a sort of creative. I'm a creative scientist. And so music for me or science for me, it's always, I like that creative way of looking at the world in a slightly different way. So when I'm sort of writing songs around that, I'm often just, I don't know, thinking about the world in a different way and it comes out in music. I think there are some parallels there. It's just a different window into the world. I'm, I like the mess of humanity. I like exploring it. I like being part of it. And I think the songs that I end up writing are just kind of part of that. 
Fantastic. And we will be playing one of your songs at the end of this interview. We are still deciding which we're going for, but as you are hearing this, you can look forward to the last minutes of Leadership Conversations. Nazneen, before we wrap, we have two questions for all guests that we always ask. And the first one is, what is your favorite story of a particular leader or organization that had a big impact on yourself or society at large? To be honest, choosing one real problem, so many. When I was about seven or eight, I read a book called The Young Marie Curie, which was a part of a whole series of books for children, which takes important figures and then sort of talks about them and imagines their childhood a little bit and then their life. And it just, it had a huge impact on me. And obviously Marie Curie had a huge impact on the world in so many ways. But most of it was that the resilience, the things that she did, the things that she went through, just the the commitment that she had. I just found it extraordinary. And it just, I was just so grateful there were people like her in the world. And it's not that I aspired in any way to be like Marie Curie, but it just made me feel like, okay, you should just keep going and you should just try, just try and make the world just a little bit better and just keep trying. And so that's had a big impact on me and, you know, anyone in any walks of life, but certainly in any kind of leadership life, you know, that resilience and just getting back up is the number one skill. So Marie Curie always makes me inspired about that. And we haven't had Marie Curie as a response for this question yet. I think it's excellent, especially where we need more girls and women to get into STEM education early on, right? There's plenty of women in STEM. It's just that they are at every level sort of still being constrained. We are not allowing them to flourish. The system still doesn't allow them to flourish enough. I heard that before. It's a promotion issue. Is that fair to say? I think it's sadly more systemic than that. People don't understand, but I think people often have a very fixed idea of what a scientist is and how they operate and how they can contribute. And there are just so many different ways. So if you don't fit this stereotypical way in what, what a scientist is, it's tough. And so I think it's a societal problem of not being able to have enough imagination to understand what we want from our scientists. I find this a fascinating conversation because I'm a father of a 10-month-old little girl and I want her to be like Nesneen Rahman, for example. I want her to be a CEO, a board director and, and a singer-songwriter as well. So I'm learning a lot about it as well. It's fascinating about the conditioning of girls in terms of what they see on television. The heroes tend to be male usually. And I think we'll yeah have to go through a systemic change to finally reach real gender parity. But that's perhaps for another time. Uh, <laughs> lastly, Nazanin, can you give our listeners one piece of advice that they can make part of their leadership toolkit and start applying immediately to set them up for more positive societal impact? Can I have two Absolutely. <laughs> so I think in terms of leadership, the one I would say is be generous. I think, again, there's a lot of things in our world that really constrains us, all sorts of ways in which we're being told not to be generous. But I think it's a superpower, really, and it always comes back. It just is a cycle that just is catalytic. I'm particularly generous with ideas. To a certain extent, I feel like I can be generous because I, I, I certainly have more ideas than I'm ever going to develop myself. But I, I often try to just be as generous as I can. And it's never been a bad thing. And I'm always really impressed by everybody who is generous. So that would be my tip. On a personal level, I would just like to say for everybody, I think sometimes sustainability, climate change can feel so daunting. 
And I think just waste a little less. I'm really obsessed with waste. It doesn't matter what it is, just do a little bit less of something. If we all did that, we'd make a huge impact together. 100% agree. I think these are great. Thanks for those. And it was certainly very generous spending the last half an hour with us and taking time out of your busy day. Nasneen, Rahman, thanks so much for joining us. Thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation with Nasneen Rahman. And as promised, please enjoy her song, Midlife Musings. We will also have a link in the description to her website where you can find the song and listen to it after this podcast. Caught me selling out the dreams I told you long ago I make my excuses, you don't care Sliding round the principles you used to own You make your excuses, I don't care Look at all the pieces now See the missing pieces now Do you have a picture you love? Did you paint the picture you dream? Time to be stuck.